Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. It was in the 1960s, I'm told. What are you laughing about? It was in the 1960s, I'm told, that a Senate subcommittee heard expert testimony about time management. It was believed that due to advances in technology, within 20 years, we would all have a four-day work week. They lied. I know, it's shocking that a lie would come out of Washington. But, um, the experts testified that if we didn't cut back, we'd all have to start retiring years sooner because we wouldn't have anything to do. Does anybody in this room struggle with what to do with your extra free time? If so, I'd like to introduce you to Angie. She will hook you up. Angie's our office administrator. <clears throat> Instead of having lots and lots of extra time, I'm guessing that it seems for a lot of us like life has just become one big hamster wheel. We wake up every day and start going nonstop until we collapse back into bed that night. We aren't made to live life like that on a treadmill set two notches faster than the pace that we can maintain. I just need more time is what we frequently say, but time is that great equalizer. Everybody gets the same 24 hours a day. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, educated or dropout, skinny or fat, Everybody gets the same amount of 24 hours. And that's why it's important that we learn the lesson that life is short. We need to slow down. Now I'm sitting there, I know what I'm going to preach on this morning. Jane doesn't have a clue what I'm going to preach on this morning. And yet once again, it happens that God knew how that needed to be layered and reinforced. We're always on the go. We have places to be, people to meet, things to do, not enough time. Our calendars are crammed and our nerves are, are frazzled and burnout is more common than retirement. According to the National Sleep Foundation, how do you get that job? I, <laughs> sign me up. According to the National Sleep Foundation, 72, do they come home from work exhausted? I'm just wondering. 72% of us feel exhausted multiple days every week. The common stress 
is to finish school or to finish the postgraduate degree or the entry-level hours that you know always get shoved on to the to the newbie or or the switching jobs and and the multiple jobs just trying to catch up or make up and then there's marriage and kids and divorce and alternating custody weekends and extracurricular activities for the kids and then there's the church activity because everybody thinks I need to be involved right there's worship there's Bible studies there's volunteer you know responsibilities there's chili cook-offs there's meals to bring in there's security teams to serve on there are VBS plans and Christmas decoration and Christmas de-decorating and the list goes on and on and we haven't even begun to talk about how draining relationships can get what they mean when they said that well what did I say I probably meant what I said that, you have to assume that's the guy that says that or maybe there's or maybe there's the challenge of just saying I'm sorry I was wrong one guy said it this way I think I've been tired since the eighth grade research shows that people have a significant drop in productivity after 50 hours of work in a week a guy named Bob Sullivan, not Ed for some of you, uh, wrote this article called A Memo to Work Martyrs, Long Hours Make You Less Productive. And that was in January of 2015. If you want the reference to that, some of you that work at Honda or Honda-related folks, uh, see me afterwards, I'll get it to you. The bottom line is we all struggle with being so exhausted that we just can't stay awake, kind of like this guy. <clears throat> I'm convinced this is a camera in my office trying to you know, see me stay awake during my sermon prep. And then you just give up after a while, right? Hang in there. Hang in there. Ah. Oh. oh, that was close. Anybody see me? Uh. Claudia, I think he needs an appointment with you. And there he goes. Stay down. Here's the thing, rest is God's idea. He's not surprised by our stress. He's, he's already provided a solution, and it's as ancient as creation itself. He called it the Sabbath. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, this observation is made. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God stopped working on everything he'd been creating. And it's important to understand that God wasn't just exhausted, that he needed a break. It was not like he was just pooped and needed to go home, kick back, turn on Netflix, and veg for a while. God rested because he knew we needed rest. Notice the verse. He blessed 
that day. And he declared it to be holy. So there's something unique. There's something special set apart about that day of the week. And here's the precedent. He was celebrating the work that he had done in the previous six days. And the last thing that he created was an example for us of rest from our creativity and productivity. The Sabbath was modeled by God for the rest of humanity. Now, I, I, just, I feel compelled to just stop and, and pull you all back in. I am not talking about a Sunday afternoon nap. I'm just, it's not, there's so much more here than that. Although, days like today, it's looking pretty good. <laughs> but here's the thing. Rest is God's idea. God blessed a day and declared it. He sanctified it. He separated it. He set it apart. He consecrated a separate day as holy. And the principle is simply this. Everything God created needed a regular rhythm of rest in order to be productive. So observing a Sabbath rest reflected that rhythm of life as old as life itself. He built the cycle of work and rest into all creation, not just our century. All throughout Genesis and the story of creation, this phrase is repeated. There was evening, there was morning. There was evening, there was morning. There was evening, and there was morning. The sun rise, rises and the sun sets. Creation shuts down and awakens again in cycles. The natural world, as God created it, includes a cycle of activity followed by rest. Trees and plants blossom in the spring. They lose their leaves in the fall. It lies dormant over the winter. That's because of how God created not just us, but all of His creation. There's a passage in Le Leviticus 25 I want you to look at. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you've entered the land that I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest. Don't miss that. The land must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. And then in verse 3, for six years you may plant your farm, your fields, and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops, but during the seventh year the land must have a Sabbath rest a Sabbath year of complete rest. It's the Lord's Sabbath. Now again, he's not talking about a temple or tabernacle. He's not talking about you know, animal sacrifices or even the priests or the people. He's talking about his creation. The principle of rest went beyond God's people. Like it says in the verse before you, every seventh year was a year that their cropland was to be given a rest. They were to leave it completely unplanted as a Sabbath rest for the Lord from its productivity. You see, again, rest was God's idea, not just for people, but also for all of His creation. 
I can tell you as a kid that grew up on a farm that that's the way they used to farm. Our, our herds of cattle and sheep, whatever else, would be rotated from one field to the next. And that's how that we allowed the land to regenerate itself. Scientific research has even discovered that this was a pretty effective means of land management. Now, modern agricultural uh, agriculture has largely abandoned the practice of letting the field rest for a year because, after all, if the land doesn't get planted, then it doesn't turn a profit. And if there's no profit, there's no payment. And if there's no payment, there's no farm. But as it turned out, this organic living soil becomes lifeless dirt. I, I, I wish there was some way to communicate to you or, or illustrate that for you, but a lot of us today, because we're not farming, we're not growing crops, all we see is dirt. But there's so much more there. It's a living organism. And if you're not going to allow it time to regenerate itself and recycle itself, but still expect it to produce and produce and produce and produce, kind of like we are. The only way that you can do that is to artificially stimulate it with fertilizer and other chemicals. Finally, today, there are some farmers and scientists that are rediscovering the value of resting their fields. Soil productivity improves naturally when given a break, so that when it's replanted, it produces a much higher yield. Now, I know you didn't come this morning for a farming sermon. But further down the, the passage in Luke 25, God created another time of rest for people. It was called the year of Jubilee. I just want you to see the principle that was there for people, for the fields, and even for society. Every 50 years... I know for some, 50 years seems like a long time. For others, it was the blink of an eye. Every 50 years, every debt was canceled. I'll say that one more time. It's told in Leviticus 25. Every 50 years, every debt was canceled. All property reverted back to the original owners. Anyone that had been sold into indentured service as a slave was set free because their debt was officially declared paid in full. They were given their freedom. It was an economic Sabbath that served as a reset for all of God's people. That's why it was a year of celebration. It was a year of jubilee when everything and everybody was set free to start fresh again. Because rest was God's idea. And because of that, God understands, He made us, that life is short. That's why people have to be a priority. All these things God provided as a blessing for us as people. But people have a way of twisting God's blessings into burdens for their own benefit. 
the Jewish religious leaders of their day weaponized the Sabbath, you might say, to maintain their control and their power over people. When you look through the Dead Sea Scrolls from the time of Jesus, it sheds light on some of their restrictive Sabbath regulations. I mean, it just, it, it just got silly, right? You couldn't tie or loosen a knot on the Sabbath because that was considered work and you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. You couldn't sew more than one stitch. You couldn't write more than one letter. You couldn't carry a child. You couldn't help an animal give birth or even rescue an animal that had fallen into the pit because that was considered work. And all of that was because they forgot that people were the priority. But that's the backstory of what happens with Jesus and his disciples in Mark chapter 2. It says there that one Sabbath, the magic word of the day, right? One Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were going through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And they were, then the Pharisees, those religious authorities of their day, were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, more than anything else, Jesus got sideways with religious authorities on a pretty regular basis. But the one thing that almost always blew them up was a discussion and argument about the Sabbath. They always complained to Jesus, you're not keeping our rules about the Sabbath. Well, because they had twisted a simple rule. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Into all kinds of ways for them to maintain their own power and control. And that's why when Jesus healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath, they got upset about when he did it, not what had happened or that it had happened at all. Or in John 5, when he healed a man who couldn't walk on the Sabbath, instead of being amazed that somebody that was a cripple could now be a productive member of society again, they blasted him because it happened on the Sabbath. Or when he healed a man who had been born blind, all they could do was argue about who, who his parents were and who it was that had healed him instead of realizing that a life had been restored. And all because it had happened on the Sabbath and they were just that desperate to be in control. So here in Mark chapter 2, the disciples are walking past a field of grain. They're getting a little snacky and so they pull off a handful of grain to snack on, on along the way. And the Pharisees lose their mind because they're accusing him of multiple sins. The sin of harvesting because they pulled grain off the stalk. The sin of threshing because they rubbed their hands together to remove the hull around it. And the sin of winnowing because after doing that then they would blow the chaff away before popping the grain in their mouth. And Jesus wasn't buying what they were selling at all. Because he knew they'd forgotten that people are God's priority. He reminds them about the, the precious King David in the glory days of Israel. And how his men weren't allowed to eat consecrated bread from the tabernacle, except that day, even though it was against the rules, they made an exemption because people are a priority. And his people were starving. 
And Jesus' point was, if David was allowed to break the rules to bless people's lives, why can't I? And then he builds on this precedent and makes this statement in verse 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He lit them up for turning what was supposed to be a blessing of a Sabbath rest into a burden of Sabbath rules. He said, you've made your rules the priority instead of people. And in saying that, He's not just claiming to be Lord over the law of Moses, but much more than that, He's the Lord over God's creation. He is our Sabbath rest. That's why He would say at another point, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now He reminds them of two basic principles. It's because life is short and people are your priority. Number one, here's the principle. God has blessed us with a Sabbath rest. People need to rest. It was never intended to be a burden. It was never intended to be just a, a contest to see who could keep the mo most rules. They made it into a checklist to see which one of them was gooder than the others. Or more righteous because they've forgotten that God intends to bless us with rest, not burden us with rules. And the second principle is this. We need to follow Jesus' lead because He's the Lord. The Pharisees did not get that they were talking to the one who made the Sabbath to begin with. The Sabbath rest was his idea. Who are they to tell him what he can do or can't do on the Sabbath? You see, they were more worried about arguing with Jesus and proving themselves right than they were about following him as their Lord. Now, you need to understand, I get, we're not Old Testament Jews living under the expectations and requirements of Moses' you know, Ten Commandments. Paul declared in Romans chapter 6 that, we're no longer, that we no longer live under the requirements of the law. We live under God's grace. Some of us were raised with the idea that Sunday was sort of a Christian Sabbath. If you're old enough, you may remember when states had what was called a blue law. Nobody's going out to eat. Not on Sunday after church. Because there weren't any restaurants that were open. You're not going to the grocery because the stores weren't open. And you're certainly not buying any liquor on Sunday because there were no alcohol sales. Now there's nothing that says we're required to observe any particular day as Sabbath. But the principle that's timeless is this. God knows that we need a regular rhythm of rest if we're going to be refreshed. That's why, because life is short, we need to slow down. Let me share with you four benefits of learning how to do that. The first one is this. Slowing down helps us to guard against more. A Sabbath rest, taking time out 
from the regular routine just reminds us that there's more to life than stuff and money. If I just work more hours today, then I can pay off the car. If, if we can take that vacation we've been longing to take, we can put on that room addition, I can get the car fixed. Now granted, God knows what we need, and God provides what we need. But if we don't ever take a break in our pursuit of stuff, then we don't make room in our hearts for Him. The Bible says God expects us to work so that we can provide for our family and to help others in need. Every now and then we need to pump the brakes on our life because it keeps us from devoting ourselves to the idol of more. A Sabbath rest can refresh our hearts and remind us to be grateful for what we have. Here's another thing. Slowing down helps us to guard against becoming workaholics. Now I know it may be kind of hard to separate the two between materialism and, and being a workaholic, but it's not just materialism that drives us. We tend to put so much of our worth on our work. And honestly, guys are especially vulnerable to this. That's why we struggle after we retire, because we don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't have a reason to get up in the morning, and so we just sleep and sleep and sleep and then take that long dirt nap. But it happens to women more and more as well now. We all struggle with it. If we're not working, we feel worthless. And we're lost. But a Sabbath rest can remind us that we are more than our work. So, the question is this then. In light of that, let me pull that string just a little bit. You have a hard time making it through a family meal without checking your phone? Don't hit him. Don't elbow him. Do you miss your kids' events because of work obligations? How much vacation time do you have stored up? How many vacation days have you rolled over to the next year? You see, that might be an indication that you've lost the rhythm and balance in life. Max Lucada made this observation. He says, sometimes the most godly thing that we can do is take a day off. Here's another benefit of rest. Number three, slowing down helps our focus on God. I can't emphasize enough. It's not just about a Sunday afternoon nap. It's about where our focus is. In Exodus 31, it says that the one purpose of the Sabbath was so that you may know that I am the Lord. In Isaiah 58, he encouraged the Israelites to delight in the Sabbath so that they'll find their joy in the Lord. These verses remind us that God's purpose for the Sabbath was to include a spiritual dimension, not just a fat nap like we used to call it, you know, when the kids would wake up or other older kids would wake up and you wake up, you slept so hard and so long that you're, you're kind of sweaty. 
You know, you got wife to drool off the corner of your mouth. That's a fat Sunday afternoon nap right there, man. But it's supposed to have a spiritual dimension to it. It's more than just taking a day off work, sleep in. Well, Sunday's my only day to sleep in. I got to, oh, whatever. I realize you're here, so you can always say, yeah, those heathens, you know, <laughs> feel good about yourself for coming today. But here's the thing. When we take away, a day away, it allows us to remember that God is the greater priority than anything else in this world that screams for our attention and tells us we have to do this. But if we don't do this, then we're not whatever. Here's the fourth one I'll share with you this morning, and that is that when, when we take time for rest, slowing down helps us to trust God. When we take a day away from the regular routine, it reminds us to trust God and be grateful to Him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And there are other passages about learning that God will supply all of our needs. When we deliberately take a break, we learn to depend on Him to sustain us instead of living like everything depends on us. David, I'm going to ask you and the worship team to join me up on stage. Some of us can't wait to get home and take a nap. <laughs> Others of us are already repenting for booking the rest of the day solid. Life is short. Slow down. Rest is God's idea. Remember, people are the priority, not the rules. And refocusing on God in gratitude for the past and trusting in the future is one of the main benefits of taking that break, pumping the brakes, calling time out, and saying, I need to step away and do this for me and for my God. God has woven the need for rest into the very fabric of all creation, not just us, but even the fields itself, themselves. There's a blessing in store for those who remember to create space for God in their life. So the bottom line, honestly, is this. God intended there to be a Sabbath blessing for us. Not that it would become a burden, but because He knew it would bless our lives. And Jesus saw that Sabbath as a principle to celebrate as God's gift to us. I couldn't help but remember mom, who died three years ago in February. She would have been 102 on her next birthday. At her 100th birthday party, as about 500 people came to celebrate her life, 
over homemade ice cream and homemade cookies. Somebody came up to her and said, Doris, did you ever imagine that you'd live this long? She looked at him and chuckled like she usually would do, and she says, well, a hundred years isn't very long. Take time to slow down, because a hundred years isn't very long. Life is short. Let God renew and refresh, not just you physically, but spiritually as you take time for Him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.